Well, blessings to all of you. Um, it's so good to be here. I know it's, it's amazing weather out there. It's so, so beautiful. It's been amazing in the city here. You know, it's weird because also notice while it's gotten sunnier, I've noticed a lot of people getting, getting a little more sick. Um, I caught a bad cold. Well, actually, it started out as an allergy. Um, I, I was last Sunday. I said, oh, I throw a little sore. And then, and then it kind of went up, up into my congestion. I thought, oh, well, you know, at least it didn't, didn't get into anything like a real cold in the chest. And the next thing I know, I'm coughing away to the middle of the week. I'm doing a little better, but I am, I am technically here in, in a little bit of weakness, and uh, that's okay. You know, it got me thinking about something that happened. Oh, I would say, reminded me, it was about, it was about 30 years ago. Um, I was just, just starting to preach on Sundays. At the time, the church uh, only had one service. Uh, the founding pastor, my grandfather, actually was the pastor still. He was in his 70s. And I remember, and he was from an older generation. And he, he, he was like an old school, you know. They, anybody who went through the Depression and World War II had a kind of a different way of, of, of thinking about life. You know, they were, our culture was far more rural than an than urban. Now it's switched. People were used to getting up really early and, and working really hard, and they endured things, and, and they had been through a lot of challenges in life. So anyway, their work ethic was off the charts, but sometimes it could be a little bit tough, too. And so I was, I remember, because I was scheduled to preach, and um, I hadn't been doing it a lot. I was just like around 20. And uh, I remember how much time it would take to get ready to share on a Sunday. I mean, well, no, weeks, right? I, I would really get ready, and, but I got real sick. And I, I was so sick. I, I ended up on that Sunday morning. I called him. Now this was before, like, this was before the era of cell phones. You know, there was no cell phone. In fact, phones. I know a lot of you have never seen this before, but they were like attached to a, a handle, and you would dial things. And on it, and then, and then, yeah, it's like where, when, what is a museum? No. And then on the other hand. <laughs> But then there was this period there where they, you had phones. They weren't quite cell phones, but they were kind of like mini walkie-talkies that were disconnected. <laughs> and and uh, I remember you had like a little place where you'd put them. And so I remember calling him in that morning, and I said, I said, hey, Gramps, that's why I called him. I said, you know, I, I know I'm scheduled to, to go up. I go, but you know what? I am so sick. I, I think I've got a really bad temperature. I just ache all over. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I can. I don't think I'm going to be. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I think. I think you might need to step in. You know, and just take care of it. And he said, "Well, let me ask you a question." I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He says, um, "Can you walk?" I said, "Let me see." I go, "Yeah, I, I. I think I can walk." He goes, "Okay, I'll see you there and be good to go." All right, how about that? <laughs> and all I remember about that weekend was that, you know, and doing it. And uh, so what I said that to say that I'm not anywhere near that bad. Um, in fact, I'm doing better. But I just, I just got me thinking fondly about <laughs> having to do certain things and just the differences between um, people in our lives who mean a lot to us. But hey, I want to pray and ask God to bless the time that we have here. And uh, I want, Lord, I want to ask you to just bless everyone who's here right now. Really, I do. Um, I pray for your grace. I pray that part of what would happen out of our time together, that we're investing at our soul level, is that we would actually leave this house where your name is loved. I pray that we would leave it stronger with a greater sense of both understanding of what it means to have a resilient faith, a sustainable faith, at the same time be motivated to pursue that 
no matter where we are in our life, no matter where we are, even in our relationship with you, you know? I mean, some of us are just starting something, doing this a long time. I like to say it a lot, Lord, but you know what? There are areas of growth you're calling us all into. And so I just ask for your, your gentleness and your goodness, but also um, I pray for a stirring in our hearts as well. Help us to focus well on you, to set aside what we're gonna be doing later in the day and just really be open to you right now. And we ask for your blessing over our time. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, God. So I'm gonna talk about the, the building block of virtue and I wanna talk about this, this ongoing you know, discussion that we've been having around building blocks for sustainable faith and, and looking at it. I, you know, I'm gonna read through Second uh, Peter, Chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now, we've covered these verses, so in the, in the past few weeks, we've been sitting with some of them. I'm not going to talk a lot about them. I do want to read through it, though, and sort of reconnect. So it says that Simon Peter, this is the one who's writing, he, he's, he says, I'm a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, again, Peter is now a much older man when he's writing this letter to a group of believers who have um, been a community. And Peter wants to encourage them in their faith to stay with their life with Christ. And he describes himself, and we mentioned this, as two things. One, an apostle, someone uniquely sent by God. And then he says, but I'm also a bondservant. Now, in our language, we would say, you know, if we were, and a lot of translations translated this way, I'm, a, I'm, I'm both an apostle and a slave of Christ. And what he was saying is, I, am, I live as one submitted. I have yielded my rights to him. Wow, that was like an, a very humble opening to that, to that letter. And I, it's almost impossible to miss it. If you actually just sit with it for a moment, you realize his sense of greatness had to do with surrender. And he goes on to say, and watch how he does this. He then opens up this panorama of just superlative descriptions about who God is. He says, I'm writing this letter to those who have obtained like precious faith. It's a great phrase. With us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. It's through God and Christ. He says, and what I'm praying for all of you is that you would have grace and peace. And that grace and peace, two beautiful blessings, would be multiplied in your life. That your life would be filled with the grace of God. The love of God would overflow in you. That undeserved gift of God's goodness would be present in your life in increasing dimensions. And that his peace would surround you no matter what you're going through. It's a great blessing. And I pray that it just be multiplied. And he goes on to say, and, and watch this, as his divine, watch the way he phrases this. Look at these expansive words. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, everything we need for this life, he will give us through himself. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by excellence, by which we've been given these exceedingly great and precious promises. And that through these, you may be partakers of God's very nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. In other words, living above the things that would tear away that faith and bring us down and really undermine what God's trying to do. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. So, so look, notice, look what he says. And it's, it's important to note this. He starts by describing who he is. He then says, look at the things that God makes possible for you. And he uses these great terms. He describes God's available resource. It's almost like he's saying, look at the provision of God for your life, if you really want it. It's right there. Christ has made everything possible. And then he says, but, on, but also be aware, also for this very reason. You see it in that verse? You need to give all diligence to add to your faith. And he says this word virtue. And then he says to virtue knowledge. And he's going to start building, putting building block upon a building block. But what, he, what he's basically saying is that, look, 
God has done so much. But honestly, as much as he's provided, you still have to decide what kind of faith you're going to have. We have to decide if we're going to build on it. And that's a different. And he, and, he, and he starts saying, look, God provides, but we must decide. God gives the opportunity there. He has done everything for us to create access and power and possibility and peace and grace in Christ. But we get to decide if we're going to actually build on that. And that's a big deal. You know, the word itself, and he uses the word virtue. We don't use that word so much. Um, other translations that are maybe slightly more modern might call it, um, they say, moral excellence. Um, it has to do, it goes back actually to the Greek word itself, which the Bible was written in, in Greek in the original languages. And the word that is translated here, virtue, it actually had a twofold meaning. One, it talked about skillfulness of life. So it was in the direction of the, the one who knows how to live well. And the other one had, a, in the other direction that that Greek word went that we translate out as virtue was courage and bravery. In fact, that's closely connected to the Roman concept of, of virtue. The very root of the word from, in the Latin, ver, man, had to do with manliness, had to do with this attitude of courageousness. It was a courageous kind of mindset. So Peter is clearly getting at something. He's talking about, he's saying, look, take your faith, and I want your faith to, to be something that is mobilized, something that is activated. We get to decide, I guess, at the end of the day, and he's making this appeal, don't just let your faith be something that is passive, kind of a, an intellectual conviction, uh, but that it doesn't really have any real genuine impact in your life. You know, I, I, yeah, I believe, but he's, he's saying, don't, don't settle. Listen, don't settle for a faith at that level. He's saying the kind of faith that I want you to contend to is a faith that's excellent, a faith that's expansive, a faith that's vital, a faith, a faith that, that is, is, is capable of sustaining itself in any scenario. I want you to remember, though, that this faith doesn't just happen. It's a choice that we make. It's connected to us determining to do something about it. In other words, God provides, but we must decide how we're going to act on that, right? We've been saying. So, if we, so I guess part of what I'm appealing for here is that we would not settle for just a belief system or something that we just dabble with or a kind of a tacit you know, embracing of Jesus as something good and maybe something I invest in on an hour or so on a weekend in some time, a couple times in the month. But I'm actually saying what Peter said, which is, you, if you want to do this right, you want to contend to have this faith show up in your everyday life. You want to have it show up not just when we're gathering together as a kind of um, a, a commitment, but you want it to have it show up when you're at work or when you're interacting with people, when you're home, you know, in your friendships, in your social relationships. He says, I want your faith to be so alive, so vibrant, so, so beautiful in your life that it just bubbles out of you. And there's something about it that's strong and brave and, and real and authentic. And so he's, he's contending for something, not just like something we pull out of a tool chest every now and then from time to time when it's needed or like a, a crush that we just sort of rely upon when it really gets hard in life. He's saying, no, no, don't, don't do that. Get, I want you to have a faith that is like courageous and activated. And it really is kind of has this sense of, you know, it's, it's going to engage things. It's going to be resilient. It's, it's capable of adapting to even unfair things. Bad. We're going to talk about that. Maybe the best way to do this is to explain maybe kind of what 
virtue is, is by saying what it isn't and also kind of interfacing that with, with Peter himself. So let me start by suggesting, number one, and we'll just kind of use this as a way to move and embrace it in sort of like a frame for us. By saying what it isn't, it might give us more clarity of what it is and then motivate us to want to pursue it. But virtue, and again, it's a very, you know, it has a kind of strength to it. But remember, it's not to be confused with um, aggressive, you know, sort of reactive aggressiveness, if I can put it that way. So this is not, Peter is not saying I want you to be, he's not trying to say, oh, you know, you got to be like a man. You got to be like spiritually, you know, you know, spiritually macho or something. He's not getting, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about walking around and going, oh, this is, you know, you need to have tough, what you all need to have is tough guy faith, you know. That, this, this is a, he's, he's not really getting it. He's not saying that. The word itself is strong, but that's not what he's talking about. He's not defining it like physical strength. A lot of people who are very physical um, are actually very weak. It's not, always, it's, not, it's not always a correlation between, not, look, think about it this way. Jesus modeled true virtue, true moral excellence. He modeled bravery at a spiritual level. And one of the things he taught us, you guys, was that there are going to be times when real power, real maturity, real strength is restrained. Just because we have something doesn't mean we act upon it. He certainly did not advocate walking around like, you know, let's get into a fight. Think about it. That's not who Jesus was, but he wasn't weak either. He told us to turn the other cheek at times. That's actually very hard. Not, now, for some of us, the, the, the harder thing would be to, to not necessarily, okay, some of us, we react, we react to things, right? Sometimes God will say to us, I, I, what, what virtue is going to look like in our lives is not reacting, not responding to a slight, not retaliating, um, not returning an insult. So you hurt me, I hurt you back. Others of us, we're not nearly as, some of us, we have an aggressiveness. It's like a trigger. And when someone crosses us or says something to us or touches a certain button in, our, in us, it's like all, all, we just lose our sense of proportion and restraint. And we become reckless. We say things or do things, and that's one way of dealing with it. I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord is trying to challenge us to have an element of our faith that is capable of restraining itself, even he, as he modeled it. For some, and for some of us, that means we're going to actually have to break out of patterns that we've experienced in our own lives. And our culture sometimes tells us, stand up for yourself, stand up for yourself. And I'm, I'm part of culture. It's kind of how I was even raised. But there are times when the Lord will say, the truly strong, virtuous way to express your love for me right now is not to do anything aggressive. And certainly not to retaliate. Now, others of us, we don't retaliate right away. But we hold it in. And we become in our own way passively aggressive. For some of us, courage is going to actually look like maybe stepping up and saying something. Because we've been, we're, again, it's part of it as well. Others of us, it's going to mean that I need to hold back. But I, I look at Jesus and I go, boy, he is such an amazing model. You know what the Bible, because he showed us that you can be intense and passionate about life. But you're not walking around aggressive, defensive, um, reactive. Right? There's a great verse in Proverbs 16. It's worth memorizing. Certainly, the one who is slow to anger, I mean, think about what's being said here, is better than the mighty. The one who can rule their spirit is actually stronger than the one who can conquer a city. The idea of exercising self-restraint, 
not just being reckless and, and uh, reactive. Do you see that? That's so good. It's so true. And the Lord wants to teach us how to do this. And, and so, you know, virtue, virtue, faith that is virtuous will often show up in self-restraint. And God wants to teach us how to do that, you guys. Now, the other thing is what faith is not, not only, I mean, you know, virtue is not, is not just, um, say, not having aggressiveness, but it also has to do with this idea, in my mind, of not being impetuous. Now, that's another word that, that a lot of us might go, what, what is, you know, some of us know, but some of us may not. You know, to be impetuous, by the way, the reason I say this is because that's what Peter was through most of his early life and even into his, his life with, when he was being a disciple with Jesus. To be impetuous is to be impulsive. It is just to kind of like, this is what's on my mind, here it is. It's to react to something. It tends to just not really think something through. I go with my emotions, it's fascinating. I, I have four kids in my family, you know, they're all older now. Each one of them, different personality. One of them is, is like, he's just like classic. You know, it's like, yeah, let's do this, let's do this. It's like, I'm going, hold on, hold on, right? Calm down. It's like, let's go for it. I love it, because it's so full of life. And it's like, everything is like, a, it's just so real, and it's emotive, and it's in, and I like that, and it has moments where it can be down too. But the bottom line is, for the most part, that's really, it, it's actually appealing. That was part of Peter's charm. He had this tendency just to, what it was on his mind, he went for it. That's how he's revealed in scripture. I mean, there's this one great moment, and all of us know it. That could get him like exceptional praise at times. Right, there was that time where, where, remember when Jesus is saying, hey, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, you know, everybody's talking about me. Everybody has a debate over who I am. Many people are saying different things. What have you been hearing? Well, some people are saying, like, you're definitely the prophet sent by God. Others are saying you're like, you know, John the Baptist resurrected, Jeremiah. They're throwing out different things. He says, well, who do you say that I am? You are closest to me. And before anybody could even process it all the way through, Peter did what he always does. He's like, react. I know who you are. You're the Christ. That's who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. More than that, you are the Son of God. That's who you are. And you know what, Jesus? It was almost like, it was one of those rare moments where the Bible, where people, where the Bible tells us that Jesus got pretty excited and he said blessed are you Simon son of John I tell you flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven upon this rock this truth this principle of revelation that you have just said I will build my church and I tell you even now the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and Peter was going see I said that and now I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting blessed right that's what happens when you step up you know but you know what's interesting to me is because you just keep reading. I'm talking about like two verses down. Jesus is saying something different. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He said that he would be, and this is, this is where it really hit. He would be killed, but that on the third day he would rise. But Peter, and it's hard to believe, I wouldn't believe it unless it was in there, but it is. This version, the way it's rendered, says this. 
Peter, well, hearing that, right on the heels of the great confession, took him aside. Jesus, I, I need to talk to you for a moment here. And it says that he began to reprimand the Lord. Lord, I don't know what you're talking about, this killing stuff, going to Jerusalem and all that, but that's not going to happen to you. The, the older version says he began to rebuke him. That, he starts telling Jesus, you know, I, on a lot of areas, you are the expert. But on this one, right? I'm not having fun. But on this one, you know, it's just not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen, Lord. And do you know what Jesus did? That was it. I'm, he was being the same thing that got him to go, you know, you are the Christ. In that moment, all of a sudden, Jesus turns to him and he says, in this, in so intense, because Peter could not have seen it coming. Jesus turns to him and he says, you, you, you savor not the things of God, but the things of man. Get thee behind me, Satan. It's like, it was so intense. You have no idea what you're talking about. You know what, Jesus, just as a sub point there, the reason that was such an intense moment is because Jesus loved Peter and he knew Peter loved him. It was out of affection that Peter was asking Jesus in a strange way. It was a powerful temptation to be pulled away from the one thing he had been called to do. And so it was well-intended love spoken without thinking, taking an exceptional step of like assumptive, I guess, authority in some way out of love to tell Jesus, you know, I think you've got it wrong on this one. And Jesus says, you, you are being used right now to move me so far off course. And I renounce that even now I have made my decision. And he had later on, Peter did the same thing. Think about it. Every time he shows the same pattern, right, of impulsiveness. Again, that's not what he's, he, he, Jesus will say to him, everybody, all you guys are going to, I'm telling you right now, all of you are going to deny me. <sighs> There's this like, spiritually, I know, you, I know you love me, but you're not going to be able to handle what's about to happen. It's too much. I will be fighting like I've never fought before. And you won't be able to stand it. It's too strong. Peter says, I don't know what anybody else says, but I will never deny you. There it was again, again, the bravado, right? And then again, because of it, he, Jesus turns to him and says, yes, you will. You will deny me. And then, of course, in that moment, then a little flash forward, same thing happens. Jesus says to him in the garden, can you watch with me and pray with me? You know, I don't need a lot from you. Why that I could use right now, just your support at a human level and pray for me for strength to do what I know I am supposed to do, what I have committed myself to do. They fell asleep because they're like us, right? When he does get up as the, as the enemies are coming, what does he do? Same thing. Whew, pulls out his sword. First reaction, let's fight. You remember what happens? He swings and all of a sudden a melee is about to break out. Jesus says, Put the sword away. Stop. Everybody stop. You put the sword away because the one who lives by the sword will die by the sword. We're not, we're not fighting anything here. I will go with you. I will go with you. This is part of as it should be. See, but the impetuousness. Now Peter, much different stage in his life, right? He's, going, he's, he's a bunch, he, he is realizing, and as I looked at it, I was going, wow, what a change that's occurred in him. Because, you know, the point is that 
There were times in his early life when he acted when he should have been still. Can any of us relate to that? We got desperate, we got agitated, we got restless, so we act. We feel it, we go for it. There are times when Peter spoke when he should have actually, now as brilliant as some of his speaking was, there were times when he needed to be silent and just listen. What is God actually saying? I'm talking so much I can't hear him. What is the wisdom of God in this situation? I'm so energized, I'm so activated, I'm so stirred. I'm not really thinking this. There were times when Peter, instead of making these like broad sweeping pledges, honestly, he just needed to, he just needed to acknowledge his weakness. It was hard for him to do that. And I, I think there were times when virtue is actually gonna, we're talking about this faith now, now he's older, he goes, you know what? You need to add to your faith, not toughness, not swinging the sword. A kind of depth and resolve that is, allows it to be amazingly resilient, that is connected to the ability to sometimes assess, pull back. There are times when non-action is actually required. That is not always easy to do. When times when God really does want us to be brave. Okay, the, the third and final thing I'll say about what it isn't in the frame is it's, it's not, listen, it's not fearlessness. And we live, okay, bravery does not mean we're not afraid. If we're not afraid of something, that really doesn't mean we're brave. In fact, someone can actually be, and I'm going to use this word as an extreme, okay? There are some situations where when a person is not afraid, it's almost insane. And true bravery really shows up when something, when we are afraid of something, but we act appropriately. It's not about denying a problem. It's not about not being afraid. It's about stepping forward when we are afraid. It's about doing what is right in God's eyes. It's about exercising brave faith. there are so many things going on in the world right now. You know, um, I mentioned a couple of weeks back that I had a lady come up to me after a service on Saturday night, and she was so serious. She had water in her eyes. And this was just like based on what had happened. There's a lot of stuff that's happened since then. And she said, Pastor, I just, I'm so concerned about what's going on in the world. I could tell she was terrified. She was really affected. She says, all these wars. All this craziness, I know what she was talking about. It's happening. And then on top of it, there was, there's, you know, I got up this morning, and I'll, I'll just shift it a little bit. At 6 o'clock this morning when the alarm went off, the radio kicked on, and I, I hear, the, I hear the, the news. The first thing I hear is, yes, there's a discussion of disease that's, that we're all aware of that's spreading and kind of like the, 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 you know, how we're trying to contain it. And then it switched to another disease that's breaking out. And that's, that's actually killed some children, and, and, and there's a real concern about it here in the United States. And then I'm listening, and I'm thinking, and the next thing is flipping right on top of that. You know, we've got craziness going on in the Middle East on parallel levels, wars. And I kept thinking about what Jesus said, you know, about famines and disease and wars and rumors of wars. Now I know we are isolated at some level. I, maybe that's not the right word. We are more insulated here. 
we, we take certain things sort of for granted about how life is and how it will always be. And every now and then something happens and it's like, huh, and if we hear it, now we can pretend there's no issues and just kind of like go on, which a lot of people do. It's like, ah, oh, it's not my issue. But there's stuff going on and a lot of people are, are afraid. And there might be real reasons to be afraid. But one of the things, what, is, what does faith look like in times like these? What does it mean to have resilient faith? What does it mean to have a faith that is capable, it's very nimble, adaptable, it's real, it has depth to it. It's not just like a, a, a surface kind of belief at an intellectual level, but there's real emotion, there's, real, there's growing depth in it, there's the ability to walk through bad stuff. That's not even counting the fact that a lot of people are trying to, you know, I, someone said to me, I've got, I know there's stuff going on in the world right now, and a lot of it's really bad, but I've got my own stuff to deal with at a personal level right now. And honestly, I can't even go there. I don't even have the emotional bandwidth to really think about what's happening. I just have to hope that it works out okay. i got enough stuff in my own life. Some people talk about it. Health issues that require us to be very brave. Some of us have relational stuff that we're having to work through that's scary right now. Some of us have, listen, some of the hardest thing to get past is when we find our own weakness within and feel terrified that we're going to fail again. It's so hard. There are real things. There are things that we can't control. And some things we can control. Part of the life of faith is like, I, someone says, well, why is this happening? I said, I don't know. I know we live in a broken world. I know that. And there's some things that happen, and I go, oh, that's why it's happening. And there are other things that happen, and I go, I don't know why that's happening. I don't even think that's fair. I, all I know is that God is with me at this moment, and he wants my faith to prevail no matter what happens. And that is true. But that requires something on our part, you guys. What it means is, this kind of faith, this virtuous kind of brave faith that is sustainable in any situation, because Jesus said, look, if you, if you hear these words of mine and you do them, you know what you will be like? You will be like a man or a woman, if we can use a person, who builds their house on rock. And when the storms hit, and the storms of life will hit, when the wind blows, and the waters rise, and the earth is shaken under our feet, the house built upon the, the rock, it will stand. It will stand. But the house built on sand, it will fall. God wants to teach us how to build well. That's why we're talking about this. How do we build well? How do we have, but that, listen, that doesn't just, there's the, the Christian, you gotta wrestle with stuff. You gotta care enough to actually go at it a bit. That's what we've been talking about, taking it seriously. Because here's the thing, all of a sudden to say, oh, now it hits, what do I have? Well, what do I have is a product of what I've been building sometimes for days, weeks, months. It's the principles that I'm living by that sustain us when things turn. That's what he's talking about. Now, look, look, here's, and I'll just, I'll finish with these three quick points and just, just to throw them in there because I want to give some practical piece to it. What, remember we've been talking about this? What we practice, we make permanent, we perfect. So if we are serious about pursuing a life with the Lord that's vibrant, vital, and energetic, and capable of maneuvering through unfair things, scary things, fearful things, then we're going to actually, we're actually going to give serious attention to the habits of our life. And what God wants us to start paying more attention to. What is it? But not just that. Look at this other piece. It means we're going to have to be also more strategic about how we make decisions. We're going to have to like practice being courageous. 
And you know, I'll tell you, and, and, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll read, but I was thinking about Paul. And just, just, just hold, give me like, just a quick minute here. Paul's writing this. He's the, he's the great apostle. He's the brave one. Look what he says. He's, he's in Ephesians 6, he says, and I want, at the end of the, end of the book, he says, the end of the letter, he says, pray for me too. Ask God to give me, listen, the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Look, then he says this, I am in chains now. But I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So here's what he says, would you please pray for me? that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul says, would you pray for me that I might be bold and courageous with my faith? And that's Paul. And I'm going, here's a person like, I, he's a giant to me. And yet he's saying to someone else, can you please pray for me to hold the line on the things I know I believe in and to do that which God calls me to do? Where was he? He was confined. We will find ourselves in places of confinement. We will find ourselves in places that we don't like. We will find our places, ourselves in places, listen, at times, not even by our own doing, but they are unfair. All, his, all he did was share the message of Jesus, and he was confined. In that confinement, he, said, he didn't say, oh God, this is what I get for trusting you. What he said was, would you pray for me to live out the faith that I know I have in my heart, but to speak out this message as boldly as ever. Help me to live it now, even while I'm confined in something very unfair. That is such a model for you and me. And that's going to mean, and then I'll, this next list, I'm just going to, this last one, because what we, you know, if we were intentional about it, and I asked them if they would put this in number three. Now, what you're going to see here. There's no way I'm going to cover all this. Uh, We'll list it out. You can see, all right? But the reason I put it there is because some of you can take a picture of it and take it home. No, you can look at that, certainly can, and be aware of that. But what I am saying is that these are the practical ways that we outwork our faith and make it strong. This is how it becomes resilient. Listen, this is how it becomes resilient. It's not perfection. It means that, like Paul... Would you pray for me? Now, he wasn't just like, oh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, keep me in your, in your thoughts and prayers. I've done that. But what he was saying was, no, I really, pr- can you pray for me to do the things that I need to do, to keep the attitude I need to keep, to stay in this place in a good way? Because it's not a good thing, but it's really hard right now. And there's a part of me that wants to back down. I'm even afraid. I need to be brave. Pray for me to do what I need to do. Help me, strengthen me. Cover me in your prayers. That's a big deal. We need to periodically be able to do that. We need to ask not only the Lord, ask people in our lives. I was thinking about it too. That's why we, we talk about his word and why it's important to, to let his words come alive to us. Why sometimes in different stages of life, listen, sometimes when you're in a discouraging place or a perplexing place, the Psalms are great to read. And just sit with them. When you want wisdom for life, when you're on your job or you feel like in your family you need wisdom, read the Proverbs. There's 31 of them. You can read one a day for a month. The life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just an amazing thing to sit with at times. Just to say, Jesus, I just want to take a better look at you. Again, and that connects to the other one. Become a student of Jesus. Remember, here is the example of virtue. Here is an example of someone who was amazingly strong and amazingly kind. 
He was the lion. He was the lamb. He was fierce and passionate. At the same time, there was a humility, meek and lowly, he was. How beautiful is that? How important is that for us? And then practice making good good decisions, even in small things. I think some of the big decisions that we make in life are a product that are good, are a product of a bunch of little ones we make. That's why who we are when no one's looking, and I have not always succeeded in small things. There have been times where I know in my heart, I sense God has wanted me to do, respond a certain way and I haven't done that. And I can feel it. You know what? A part of me is, listen, when we make, when we resist the Lord in a small thing that may not look like a big deal to anyone else, but it's a big deal because between us and the Lord it was a big deal. It, it, listen, when we resist him, we lose ground. When we honor it, it doesn't matter if anyone ever sees it. Listen to me. It builds something in us of power in our lives. We become brave through brave acts. It's, it, it's a principle. And then, of course, building relationships with people who are examples to us, who inspire us. They're not always necessarily, on, they're not perfect, but people who can, we can sharpen one another. That's the value of small group, the value of engaging in community. Listen, that's why, that's where real growth happens. So I'm not just saying, be virtuous. I'm saying apply these principles, practically speaking, and your faith will, our faith will deepen. And of course, reading is a great way to do that as well. I, I want all of us to, ha- to have a faith that could go through anything, help us, Lord. Life deals stuff at us. Some of it we control, some of it we don't. God, be gracious and merciful. Teach us your ways. Help us to grow. Let's pray. All right, Lord, we ask for your blessing. Just let some, whatever this word, whatever this word was meant, this exhortation was, whatever part of it was meant to settle into our soul, I pray that we would allow it to be so. I do. Um, Not a one of us here doesn't have something we're going to have to walk through. There's no way, because we live in a broken world, and we are also broken ourselves. We need a Savior. So I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to reveal your wisdom to us and also teach us your ways, and then help us to respond by doing the things and making the adjustments, implementing the practices, Lord, small things, getting close to you, Lord, whatever we've just talked about, I pray that you would let it happen so that we can run, listen, the race that you want us to run, Lord, faithfully, uh, a blessing (laughs) to others. Oh, Lord, that's what we want to be. We ask for your blessing even now on our time of giving as a closing song. Just, we just ask this together in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord.